Welcome to our Oilers podcast. I'm Craig Ellingson, the sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun. And it's October 28th, 2016. Uh, we're coming off the Oilers 4-1 win over the Washington Capitals. With me today, I've got Dan Barnes, journal columnist. How are you, Craig? I'm fine. I'm Jim Matheson, hockey writer. Uh, how are you doing, Craig? Good. And Derek Van Deest, also hockey writer. So... We were just talking before the podcast started here. When do we plan the parade route, and where will it go? Well, Maddie knows where it's going. Uh, white or Jasper, and get your lawn chairs ready. I think that's, uh, you know, you better plan several months in advance for this uh, parade. Is there a lottery for tickets for that? Uh, there probably would be for lawns for space along Can the Can we watch it from the Winter Garden? I mean, Ford Hall? I, well, it, the, ch- the way the Oilers... Or the parade will probably have to go around 104th, not on White Avenue or Jasper. So we'll see. Okay. In all seriousness, though. What do you mean, seriousness? <laughs> that was serious. It is serious. Okay. Well, to stay tuned to your uh, nearest Ticketmaster announcement to see where you can get your tickets for this. Um, I guess what we're getting at, kind of, is this 6 and 1 order start. Uh, after all these years where they don't have good starts. Is this for real? Is it too early to say, yep, this Oilers team is 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 as it's been in these first seven games? Well, one-third of those victories, two of the six victories have come against St. Louis and Washington, teams that you would suggest are good and would be serious playoff contenders, not contenders, pretty much written into the playoffs, and contenders for a uh, at least a series win, maybe two. So if that's the measuring stick so far, and it is a ridiculously small sample size, but they they beat up Brian Elliott for a couple of wins in uh, here and in Calgary. They, they won the Heritage Classic outdoors when even their head coach admits that the home team is at a serious disadvantage because of all the distraction. But against all that, and against the home win against Carolina, they still beat St. Louis and Washington. So are they for real? They're as, they're as real as a 6-1 record, right? That's what they are. So projections are, I don't know, are they garbage? They're close to garbage. So just give them credit for what they've got. And it's clear they're a better team than they were last year or, or any of the previous nine or whatever it is. But uh, are they... You know, bound to repeat six and one, six and one, six and one over seven game segments. I doubt it. They are what the standings say they are. They are six and one, and the points don't devalue in from October till March. And the wins you get in October are every bit as important as the games in March, which are infinitely tougher to win because teams are trying to get in the playoffs. So it's always an advantage to win the games in the first month or six weeks of the season when the the games aren't as crucial to teams trying to get into the playoffs and we've seen that before we've seen it with Calgary a couple of years ago where they just kept winning games before you knew it they were in the playoffs we've seen it with Colorado Patrick Waugh's first season where you know they lost like five of the first 25 and they made the playoffs even though they weren't you know perceived to be a real strong team so uh and regardless of which teams the Oilers have played in the other four games apart from St. Louis and Washington, in the past the Oilers would have still lost to some of those teams. And, you know, they can only play the teams that are on the schedule, and 
they're taking care of business. Now, I, I think the Vancouver Canuck game is a bit of a trap game for the Oilers after beating St. Louis and then all the hoopla around the outdoor game and then beating Washington. I think this is very much a trap game for the Oilers and that, you know, they might fall back because it, they, it's perceived that Vancouver isn't anywhere near as good as St. Louis and Washington, even though the record is good. So uh, if the Oilers win that game and then a home game against Ottawa and finish the first month with one loss, uh, they're well on their way. Well, Jim's right. You can only beat the teams that play in front of you, so you can't look at the schedule and say, well, they've only beaten Calgary, they've only beaten this team, they've only beaten that team. Saying that, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We're, we're talking about seven games, and, and ironically enough, the last time the Oilers went 6-1, and one, they did not win the Stanley Cup back in 1986. So it's a situation where the Oilers right now, they're, they're playing very good hockey, but they're only one key injury away from being in big trouble i.e. McDavid or Larson or Talbot, they lose one of those three guys, suddenly that changes the entire complexion of the season. And I think that's what really fans have to look at. Right now, with this team, the team in intact, in, in yes, they have a very good squad. Yes, they have a lot of weapons. But as we all know, the teams never stay intact. Injuries always happen or something else always happens. So I think whether or not they stand the test of time remains to be seen. And I think I don't think the Oilers are deep enough yet to – be able to get over a major injury like that I think if they lose McDavid for a portion of time I think they could be in trouble if they lose Larson they're going to be real big trouble and if they lose Talbot it's going to be game over they don't have anyone else besides Cam Talbot to stop the puck so right now they're looking good they're looking they're doing what they need to do to win games and it's important that they win games early but I think it's still a small sample size and you got a lot of race still left to run yeah I was looking at some numbers I guess I mean last year Montreal Canadiens. Now, of course, the Oilers aren't the Canadiens, but they were. They started the year seven and zero, and then lost Carey Price. You know, for the rest of the season. So, and uh, Maddie, you're writing about that for Hockey World about how. I mean, I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but you know, an injury to your goalie, your starting goalie, is a critical one. And now, we haven't touched on it yet. I was going to ask you, how did the Oilers get to this point now? I mean, what is going right for these guys? And you're talking about. Uh, Larson, um, what do you what are you seeing on the defense? I guess. Well, Larson is a huge stabilizing force on that back end, and he's a guy that you can rely on and you can send over the boards in any situation, and you know what you're going to get with him. And I think that's what they traded Hall for. They traded for a guy that they know what they're getting night in and night out, and they know what he brings, and he's a stabilizing factor, and he kind of brings everything together. Um, Clefbaum is still all over the place. He's still making a lot of mistakes, but Larson is there to rein him in. Uh, you look at that second pairing, they can play second pairing minutes because they don't have to go up against the top lines night in and night, after, night out because Larson is there. So I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be able to anchor that blue line. If he misses any point of time, I think the Oilers could go back to really struggling on the blue line because they don't have that stabilizing factor, that number one guy, that guy that can play 20, 22 minutes a night. And they need that, and I think that's so key right now for the Edmonton Oilers, and that's a big part of why they're doing what they're doing is, I think, because now their back end is a lot better. And, and Chris Russell falls into that as well. I think he's helped out a lot more than I think people anticipated when, he, when they signed him. I think it's also a function of, uh, of depth up front, too, um, and of wingers fitting into the system um, physically and tactically. I was talking to Carl, Carl Alsner, the Caps the defenseman after the game last night and he said that it used to be you only had to worry about Nugent Hopkins when you came into to uh, 
and he's speaking as a defenseman, as a first-pairing defenseman, you worry about him. You you have to know where he is. He was the guy everybody was talking about. That was a couple of years ago. Now it's, you know, it's obviously McDavid and it's Nugent Hopkins and it's Dreisaitl. And all of a sudden he said it's kind of like Pittsburgh, which is a pretty big compliment, right? Crosby, Malkin, and those fellas. So if that's how they're being looked at now, the Oilers have suddenly become a team with a lot of weapons up front, uh, a lot more defensive responsibility and adherence to the system. And so they just they look like a team that can win and knows they can win. And so I, I think that's just a, that's a function of buying into the system and having the physical tools to actually get it done. You know, I almost want to stop the podcast right now, partly because i got some work to do back in my office, but partly because I think, you know, here we are, and you you talked about, you know, the Pittsburgh comparison. Obviously, like we said off the hop, we're only seven games in, small sample size. We should be coming back here in a couple months, like by Christmas, or even by the end of next month, particularly after the five-game road trip they have coming up, to see where we're at. Because, you know... That's quite the comparison, but it's early. I guess we're going to keep I going mean, back I think in circles that's here. Hyperbole. Crosby no. and Malkin? No, I think that's a little much. I, I think what makes the Oilers stronger is that Nugent Hopkins is the third-line center on the Oilers now, not the first-line center. That tells you how you know he's perceived to be their shutdown kind of center now, whereas before he was supposed to be everything to everybody, score points and try to check Getzlaff and Kopitar and Thornton and Bacchus and all these guys and his offense suffered to the point where you know he was he became a much better all-around player because he had a check but now he's perceived to be more of a you know to use an example maybe more of a Koivu type, Miko Koivu type of guy who's going to get you 50 points, got some offense, but can also check, or Ryan O'Reilly in Buffalo. And, you know, Nugent Hopkins' favorite example is Jonathan Taves, who at the end of the year never seems to get more than about 55 points, but is still perceived to be one of the half dozen best players in the league because he can check. So, I mean, that's, you know, I agree with uh, my compatriots, Derek and, and Dan, that, you know, it is. They haven't had any injuries to their star players. The injuries have come to good role players so far in Hendricks and Packerin and Brandon Davidson on defense, and, and you know Fane was a you know a third pairing defenseman. They haven't lost a high end forward or a, one of their better defensemen yet. And you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But I'm sure it will to one of those offensive players. So until that happens, the Oilers can keep rolling out the same players game after game after game and and um, it, it's working and as Dan says they go into the games now expecting to win instead of hoping to win and that's and when the team you're playing against expects to win it's very difficult for the team coming in especially into your your barn if the team expects to win the game it's tough for the visitors and that hasn't been the case for the owners certainly at home over the last several years they haven't been a very good home team or a very good road team and uh this year, you know, they only lost the one game at home. I think also there there is that McDavid factor uh, involved early on. I, and you, you've looked at some of the games that have been close. He's elevated his game. He did it last night when it was 2-1. Elevated his game, made a great play. The Oilers ended up scoring. He's done it 
again and again and again. And that's what great players do when they, they recognize the situations and they elevate their game, and McDavid has been able to do that. And that's something that the Oilers haven't had in a long, long time. Even when they had Taylor Hall here and some other good players here, they, they weren't able to elevate their game. They kind of played at the same level every night. And, and McDavid is able to take it a step higher, if you will, uh, which is very impressive. And he did it last night. And I think that McDavid factor plays a big part in fact that he elevates his game and then brings everyone else with him and I think that's a big thing that's a big key with the Oilers right now and much of that is speed he does things when he's when he is rising to the occasion stepping up it's all about speed and it's him getting past the defenseman it's him getting into the open it's stuff that that people just for him it looks easy really easy but he and he might be faster this year than he was last year I mean he has crazy wheels right now and he did it uh, last night when they needed that goal. They'd been shocked by the Ovechkin goal nine seconds into the period. And he just roared down the ice, and, and suddenly there was they were scoring off the rush. And it's for me, it's just all about his speed. And he's beating good defensemen. It was Carlson last night, John Carlson, who I, I, certainly one of the 20 best defensemen probably in the National Hockey League, Washington's number one defenseman. And uh, he beat Mark Giordano earlier, you know, in the season too. So yeah, he's going against good defensemen, and defensemen are giving him a very wide berth when he's coming down the ice. And if you're a, a fan or you're a visiting team coach, you probably think McDavid's playing 40 minutes a game because every time you look, he's on the ice. But he's still only playing 20. But those 20 minutes are strong 20 minutes, uh, even killing penalties. Where the Oilers haven't had that before in the past. They've pretty much hoped they could kill the penalty. Now, when McDavid plays on the power play, um, there's the opportunity to score a goal, and that makes it a little more difficult for the team on the power play. I want to ask. I know last year was his rookie year, and he missed half the year. But what do you see? What difference do you see in McDavid this year from last? Um, it's probably it's more faster, sure. Faster, you said. More sure of himself more sure of his surroundings, more sure of the NHL. He's played pretty much most of the teams. He knows, you know, he, what he can do and what he can't do. Um, I think, you know, if if he has any criticism, I think he has to shoot the puck more uh, than, than, you know, pass it off to his, his line mates, whether that's Lucic or Eberle, and that'll come because I know when Wayne Gretzky was in, not to go back years and years and years, but when he first came in, he was perceived to be just a passer to Eric Curry, and then he got 92 goals one year. So he decided he was going to shoot the puck all the time. So I think when Connor gets that and starts shooting more, uh, I think defensemen and goaltenders will be a little more uh, wary of, of what he can bring to the table. That's the second time around, too. This is the, you, know, you just have that comfort level when you're back the second time around. And as Jim was saying, the first time you're still discovering new buildings, you're still discovering new cities, you're still discovering new places. And now he's gone through them all once, and now he's going through a second time around. And, and, and putting that captaincy on him, I think, does has elevated his game a little bit. Now he's taken on that leadership role, and there's no debate and, as to who the leaders are in that room anymore. Maybe last year there was a little bit of debate whether it was still Taylor Hall's team and Ryan Nugent Hopkins' team and Jordan Eberle's team. I think this year that debate is gone, and, and it's Connor McDavid's team, and I think everyone's kind of fallen in line and realized, yes, this is the guy that's going to lead us um, out of the wilderness, hopefully, 
and, and they're following him, and he's taken on that responsibility. And I think that there, that, that responsibility is a, is a pretty hefty responsibility for a 19-year-old. But he's mature beyond his years, and he's been preparing for this, basically this career for for a long, long time, just being the second coming of the next great player. And I think right now he's he's embraced that role, and, and he's and he's taking it, and he's going with it. I think there's a lot of measuring sticks he's going to find though when he starts playing teams with a really good two. Two tool center like a Patrice Bergeron in Boston, or Taves, uh, who can play against him and also create some offense. That's going to be a little bit more of a, a test for him. He's going against a lot of people now who can't check as well. And I know the toughest game he's played was against B- Buffalo this year, and they had a defenseman Josh G- uh, Georges who's on him the whole game and was in his face the whole game. And you know his body language, Connor's wasn't great in the game he didn't like it and he's going to find this as the season wears on teams are going to find this is the way coaches coach they're going to find ways to to get in his face a little bit more often and the thing he's got going for him it's like a home run hitter in baseball he can get him out three times but he might still you know David Ortiz he might still hit a home run on the fourth at bat so that's what he brings to the table he can control him for 50 minutes, but he might still score a goal and get an assist the last 10. So that's what he's got going, but he's going to find as the season wears on now that more and more teams are going to be in his face, and then it behooves Dreisaitl and and Nugent Hopkins to eat up the second pairing and third pairing uh, defensemen. I think there's been an efficiency to his game too, where he doesn't doesn't try to force every play. Um, it's, It's a maturity of his game and it i mean it was probably mostly there last year i didn't see enough of him last year to to know for sure but he doesn't force every play if it's if it's there to be made he'll crank it up he'll he'll find another gear if it's iffy or if you know obviously it's not going to happen he doesn't bust his hump to try you know something that might not pay off it i i just think there's an efficiency of his game that gives him the the uh endurance the strength to play those 20 minutes you know when he has to really hard and that's something that maybe young players don't always have but he's you know he's there's just a maturity of his game and i i think that's part of it i mean when you're you're filling out these these game days for the edmonton oilers and these which have taken a fair bit of heat in twitter for the check marks that you go for edmonton as opposed to the team they're playing against the intangible is always connor mcdavid you know you the orders have Connor McDavid. The other teams don't have Connor McDavid, so that's always going to be the intangible. The orders have they have the best young player in the game, as Crosby was when he was in Pittsburgh, and as Mario was when he was in in Pittsburgh, and as Gretzky was when he was in Edmonton. No matter what team you're playing at, he's the intangible. And uh, the orders, you know, every game they go in, they've got something the other team doesn't have. Is McDavid the best player in the NHL right now? No, he's not. Not, he hasn't won anything yet. He hasn't won a scoring title yet. No, he's not the best player in the NHL yet. Yeah, I don't think so either. Sidney Crosby is the best player in the NHL yeah, right now, but he's on his way. He's, 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 he's on his way. He's knocking on the door. That's another. You know, I mean, it, it's hometown look at things, and and while he's one of the best players in the NHL already, the, the people who say he's the best player in the NHL already, until you've won something, you know either individually or or certainly in, in terms of a team situation, you're not the best player in the National Hockey League yet. 
know, he's well on his way because he's so young, but he's not the best player in the NHL yet. And well, and he shouldn't be. He's and he shouldn't be. You know, he's played 45 games last year and seven this year. I don't think anybody becomes <laughs> the next one based on 52 games of NHL experience. Even Gretzky, the first year he got, you know, 137 points. Uh, the perception was that he got 130, but I don't think he immediately became the best player in the National Hockey League at his age. I mean, for everybody, he said, oh, he's the best player in the league. There was lots of good players in the league. You know, it took a couple of years, probably into the second full year. Uh, and then as the Oilers got better and won Stanley Cups, then and he won all the, the titles, the scoring titles, then he was perceived to be the best player. Now, if you're asking, could he win the scoring title? I didn't think so, but if he's going to get point and a half a game, yeah, he can win the scoring title. Well, I think we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. 